Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. I'm Joe. I'm Will. I'm Rich. Well, this week we uh, we have a guest. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we had one. We are joined by Rich Lescaflair. Uh, you may know him as a DMs Guild adept. You may know him as the uh, lead designer of the Alligator Alley Entertainment Esper Genesis, which is a, a sci-fi uh, approach to 5e. Uh, you may know him from all of his offerings on the DMs Guild. And uh, welcome to the show, Rich. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Did, did I leave out any credits? Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a few, but I'll just leave that. <laughs> now I, I have a few, a uh, few adventures league titles. I'm, I'm a premier adventure for season seven and season nine. Um, I, I, I worked on, uh, expanse RPG and, uh, you know, a few extra things, but. Okay. Well, you know, don't want to, don't leave those, leave those out. Uh, pro- prodigious. Would that be a, a good word for your. Your your design and 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 participation in the role playing game world. Uh yeah, actually, I, I think um, so, somebody last week called me the uh, called me the bard of uh, of RPG production. Uh, that's 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 pretty. That's was, that a lot. Meant, was that meant, was that meant complimentary? It was meant as like a compliment slash joke because it's it's like I'm uh, they basically got got on me about. How like I I do writing and then I'll stop and then I'll do some layout and then I'll do some maps and then I'll do some. <laughs> now see, we just call that distracted. <laughs> I, I I thought we called that multiple 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 ways of being employed. That, that is, is true. Also, that is exactly right. <laughs> um, I I know uh, I I know our former guests of the show uh, James Intercasso, huge fan of yours. <sighs> Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of a huge fan of his. He, you know, has. Uh, I mean, he's he's all over the place. He's he's fantastic, and yeah. uh, he is like, uh, you know, uh, as, as far as the Guild of Depths is concerned, and and as any group that I work with, he's like he's like a lifeline for all of us. Yeah, uh, he was he was great to have on, but yeah, he was uh, off off the air talking, and he was just like, you know, you and and layout and and stuff is just. Uh, I think he was talking about skills that he doesn't have that he wish he had. Ah, <laughs> that's kind of that's actually kind of cool to hear. Um, I, I I wish I had more time to implement all of these things. <laughs> Don't we all? So uh, as we usually do, how how did you get into tabletop role playing games? How did you you know what what was the what was the entry for you to it? Ooh, okay. Well, this is a story that I've actually uh, gotten uh, a lot of. Uh, Interesting comments on every time I tell it. Uh, so I was in junior high. See, everything starts off in junior high, right? Pretty much. And uh, I, um, there was a kid in front of me who was kind of a kind of a bully, and he kept flicking the ear of the kid in front of him. And that kid thought it was me, 
turned around and punched me in the face. Don't worry, the story is actually going somewhere. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we were both pulled aside. And, you know, as punishment, we weren't allowed to participate in, in, uh, in PE, in gym class. So we had to end up sitting on the bleachers. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, hey, I didn't do anything, right? You know, this kid's sitting in front of me, and he pulls out these books, these red books, and they have all this mm. really cool fantasy stuff in it and, you know, all the, the, the magic and the dragons. And I just kind of look over, and I'm like, hey, man, what's that? And he turned around, like, you got to understand, like, you know, uh, not a question you get asked in school all the time. So he turned around. He just kind of had this, you know, really, you know, uh, like, wait, are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, look at his eye and, and uh, came over, sat down, and was like, yeah. And he just launched into into D and D and how fantastic he was and how he was going to stop by my house later and loan me some books. Cool. And that's a geek point right there. <laughs> yeah. Those that that those Jeff easily covers are uh, they're they're geek uh, geek kryptonite. Yep, yes, they are. I uh, actually, so I, I got to see all the black and white art first, but yeah, okay, the, the, the covers sold me for sure. Yeah, I uh, I just uh, a childhood friend of mine uh, was down not too long ago, and he uh, went to his parents' house, and they're like, "Here's all of your stuff." He's like, "I'm never going to play this," so gave it to me, and there's you know. The, the red book the you know the 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 Jeff Easley and then there's a a a, Mol, a, a Moldve uh 1980s basic D&D book in there that's like an acid trip cover oh wow okay yeah i was like oh so 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 being held out of PE got you got opened the door to to D&D for you yeah well, it took us me getting punched in the face not bad <laughs> Amazing how you managed to get that done in reverse. <laughs> so, so what happened with the bully kit? Oh, nothing. He just <laughs> just walked away. We were the ones that got in trouble. You know, you know, kids at school. They were just yeah, like, oh. I, I didn't do it. I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, I'm totally. I'm, I'm very familiar with that. So you you get into it, junior high school. Uh, stick with it through high school into college, or yeah, I, I've actually been playing D and D since then. Uh, for the most part, I actually got into, uh, well, already at that time, I was reading, you know, choose your own adventure books and, um, you know, uh, what, what, what else? Uh, I, I love those books, the, the, the lone wolf series. Oh yeah. And, um, I couldn't get, you know, I, I even had the, the, the choose your own adventure, Indiana Jones books. Those are my favorite. Oh wow! Yeah, those choose. He, you know, for a while, like there was a lot of choose your own adventure from various publishers, and then they just they kind of fell out for a bit. And then a couple of years ago, uh, Wizards started bringing back out a a line of them, didn't they? Yeah, I think they. I think they actually brought back some of the old ones. Okay, I wasn't sure if they were only if they were doing old or if they were bringing out some new ones. But um, yeah, those are great gateways to getting young readers into uh, role playing game mindsets. I mean, I guess nowadays you can you know the kids are also at the same time are being exposed to role playing games you know and video games. So you know, at least for my childhood, really wasn't much in the way of video games. So yeah, it was mostly it was mostly books and like Legend of Zelda, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, my, uh, I, mine was Adventure on the Atari 2600. I did play that. 
Um, I played uh, actually, yeah, before I got my Nintendo twenty six hundred also, and I, I played uh, not Adventure. Oh my god, what, what was it called? Was it called Dragon Quest or something Quest? I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was like there was like three of them. Yeah, I'm actually a good friend of mine, uh, a guy who plays in one of my D and D campaigns. He just got all three or four uh, cartridges from for the twenty six hundred. Well, like- I I have a uh, I have a computer attached to my TV that has um, <laughs> like every twenty six hundred game uh, I've played. But- That's a good point. Do you have ET on it? That's the real question. Uh, I probably do. I believe I do. <laughs> I I have I I have actually you know there's just too many 2600 games honestly to go through the list, oh, yeah. uh, and and I, I haven't really been playing it too much uh, as I spend a lot of time working. But uh, the majority of the time, if I spend on the computer, I spend f- playing uh, the Smurfs game for Intellivision. Wow, I don't even remember the Smurfs game, so I think that's a geek point. That I would agree. I don't. I've never heard of this. Oh, it is like the it is like the world's hardest and most annoying game. Like you you die on a like you basically have to walk and and you can die on a blade of grass. You can't touch anything. And and then like you know, you have to go into Gargamel's castle like 95 times before you can actually beat the game. Uh, so it's it's much like again going back to ET where you know, you're walking along that forest and you keep falling into that hole. Yup. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so I, I just looked it up. Is it Smurfs Rescue in Garimel's Castle? Yes, yes, that would be it. Okay, because I just looked this up. I I had no idea this existed. <laughs> wow. Okay, just goes to show you learn something new every day. Yep. Sorry, I went no, I went off a tangent, didn't I? Um, no, that's so that's what the, that's, that's what 90%. we do here. <laughs> that's ninety percent of the show. <laughs> it, it, it it's like playing every RPG game that's ever been created. We, we follow the main quest for so long until we follow off on, oh, hey, look, a path. I wonder where that goes. <laughs> look, Smurfs. <laughs> They're tasty and three apples high. Mm. Oh, so, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I know you were asking me about RPGs. So I, was, I was trying to, like, <laughs> I was trying to, like, where did the road go? And, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So I, I think we got, we, we were talking about the, the, uh, Choose your choose your own adventure books and and how kids nowadays are getting more exposed to RPG ah. stuff through uh, through video games. But okay, so you've playing playing playing, and I'm sure not just as a player, but you've you've taken the seat behind the screen as a game master, dungeon master. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I think I've actually uh, at this point dunge- uh, DM'd more games than played. Um, my friend, uh, my friend that I actually met was our, uh, was our original DM and <clears throat> his, uh, his family, uh, did not really approve of said gatherings for religious reasons. I'll just leave it at that. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, so eventually, uh, you know, I, I just kept, kept wanting to play. So I started building my own campaigns and, you know, the rest of the rest of our friends and my cousin and, you know, we, we got into D and D, and then I just wanted to. I wanted more, so I bought. What is it? That next year, I bought uh, D six Star Wars. Ah, uh, the West End game Star Wars. Game Star Wars, and then I think the year after that was. Uh, no, maybe a couple years after that was Shadowrun. That was like those are like my my second two like big favorites. 
Oh yeah, uh, huge fan of the uh, West End Games uh, Star Wars. I have, I think, I have both the the first edition and second edition with a lot of the splat books for the first edition. Yeah, they were they were awesome. I know they came out with like a like a second edition, but I don't I don't know if I ever got that. But uh, I mean, by that time we were playing other stuff. So yeah, and I as I, I think that's pretty common. You you know you a lot of folks you know D and D is the gateway in, and then you you branch on out i know for me it was D, &D and then we we stayed kind of true to tsr we went and we my, my older brother got me into to D, &D um and we went to marvel superheroes the the tsr the percentile phase rip yeah i remember that i i never actually got to play it um and then we ended up a, a friend of his joined the navy and we got a bunch of his stuff and it was like champions uh james bond role-playing game DC DC Heroes Super ga uh, Game uh, Paranoia. Uh, yep, we, we 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 did the the multiple experimentals. Also, I did play James <laughs> Bond. Um, I I we went into <laughs> uh, we played Dangerous Journeys for a while. Uh, it, it you know that that didn't last long. When it when it takes you like three days to make a character, you kind of want out on, on that one, and. Uh, Ah, so, so I have a I have a, a dangerous journeys uh, analog then Middle Earth role playing game from nice. uh, from uh, Iron Crown. Yeah, there you go. Okay, we me and my friends spent weekends just staring at the book trying to figure out how do we make a character. Yeah, it's 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 not the. Uh... Well, they they explain it. Uh, actually, I think dangerous journeys kind of works the same way. It's it's sort of like they give you all of this explanation as to what something is, and don't connect it to how to calculate it. Like it's it's mm -hmm. it's like that comes later, and then you're like, wait, <laughs> is this the same thing that I'm looking at? There's like a hundred lines on the sheet. Yeah, it it was just it was always we were standing there like, okay, but how do I make a character? Like I, I understand what all the the attributes are, and but do am I buying points? Am I rolling dice? How am I doing this? And in the end, it just went onto the shelf, and and now it uh, it is here. And I've kind of made a, a a personal vow that I will read through it and figure out how to make a character and maybe even run it. Well, uh, yeah, I've left that behind. I'm too busy. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say this though: there is a game I've I've vowed to never ever ever play again. And that was the Legend of Cinnabar. Oh, I I've never played it. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, System Mastery podcast. Uh, not uh, so. These uh, it's two guys. They do. They're out of California. They review older and generally out of print uh, role playing games. Um, sometimes to good effect. A lot of times to comedic effect. And uh, they did do the Cinnabar and. Wow, that did sound like a mess. It was. I, I I have no words. Like we we all got together and we tried. Like I've never tried so hard to make a game work. So so what what was the uh, what what was the issue with uh, Cinnabar? Um. Well, I, you know, it actually starts with character creation being being the first thing. Uh, there were like you know here are the different classes that you could make. None of them um, conceptually work with each other at all. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, make your own world and sort of throw everything in it. And I'm going to kind of give you a setting, but not really. And 
you know, you don't really know where any of these characters fit at all. And then for each character class that you have, it's almost like there's a different way to make each character. They all have like these, oh. you know, and then there's, you know, it's it's kind of like the the cyborg, you know, your your uh your your explorer or whatever has like a twenty-eight, you know, strength, and the cyborg strength is two thousand forty and you're like, wait, what? And <laughs> Wow, that's some that's some riffs math there. Yeah, everything just like <laughs> You know, none of it balanced at all, and it was just kind of we were just kind of making things up to try and make it work, and it was it was absolutely terrible. And uh, what made it worse was was the, the the whole author's thing in the back about how like uh, it was it was I'll never forget it. It was uh, what was the guy's name Raven C S McCracken. I think yeah, it was with the yeah. I remember uh, my friend Brian was uh, was reminding me of the name, and it was kind of like. Yes, he knows what he's doing because he, you know, had ridden a real horse and shot a real gun. I'm like, wow, no one ever does that in their lifetime. Now, now, is this just difficult because they don't put enough direction in, or did they leave it too loosey goosey to where you can make your own decisions and therefore nothing works? Uh, no, no, it was. Um, there was some structure. It was just. It just seemed like it was for four different games. <clears throat> So I had a really good idea for a cyborg game, but then I had a really good idea for a fantasy role-playing game. And then I had a really good idea for a mutants game. Exactly. It's, it's sort of how I feel. And uh, I, you, you mentioned you played Shadowrun. Uh, we made a we made an attempt at Shadowrun after our fourth edition campaign ended, um, and I needed a break from DMing. So a couple of people said, "Oh, I'll GM for Shadowrun." It's kind of how my feeling is about how the magic system is added to Shadowrun because I tried playing a magician. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, don't don't uh, don't tell anybody I said this. It's not like I'm being recorded or anything. But um, Shadowrun officially stopped working after third edition. That is what I have been told post trying fifth edition. I think it was fifth edition Shadowrun was. Yeah, no, things were much, much better third edition. Everything after that's been just very kludgy. And like everyone else, the the folks who are, you know, Street Samurai and, and the Decker. Well, no, we didn't have a Decker. Street Samurai and I uh, forget the Kayla played a troll who had all sorts of gizmos. A rigger? Yeah, she was a rigger. We had like two Street Samurai rigger. And I think we had we did have the the Technomancer guy. And I decided I would play. I'll try one of these wizards. And I would roll really well to, to you know, use my power. And then I'd have to resist the, the drain or whatever and end up unconscious. Yeah. That sounds like a perfect RP character right there. Yeah. <laughs> I can do all these amazing things. I just need a nap afterwards. Turn around. Pain yeah. in the butt. Yeah, so... Yeah, that was that was one of those where I kept looking at the game and I'm like, this feels like they're like, okay, well, this is the mechanic we use for everything, so we're just going to use it for magic. And it was like, oof. It, but yeah, talking to folks, that's what I've heard is like third edition was was the chef's kiss edition of Shadowrun, and everything else has just been more and more complexity and, and unwieldiness. Which is kind of funny because I think what they tried to do with fourth and fifth edition was they tried to simplify it and just ended up I don't know what they were doing. So as a player, we see these things. And now you have uh, crossed over to the other side and are designing. So as a designer, you look at games now. Do you look at things and go, wow, why did you make that decision? Or uh, No. Well, I mean, yes, sometimes. Uh, you know, I can, I can criticize. We can all criticize games as much as we want as players. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> 
yeah, when when it comes down to the design aspect of it, you know, I, I'll I usually give designers the benefit of the doubt. Uh, designing is hard. It's it's not a it's not a fun thing. You know, I, I mean, it is it is if you're you know I I design because I'm really into uh, into the industry and and I'm into the work that I'm doing, but the actual effort that goes into it versus the amount of 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 money that comes out of it <laughs> is, is a is a whole different deal it's it's not a it's it's kind of a thankless job sometimes yeah well i mean that's it's also like being a dm it is a th- it is a part of the thankless jobs in role-playing games uh yeah it's it's um well the probably the I guess the hardest part is that you have a lot of people that really want, you know, especially if you, if you come out with something that a lot of people are interested in and, you know, they, they want more, you're human. You can't give them, (laughs) (laughs) you can't, you can only crank out so much. Uh, But then, you know, at the same time you're met with, you know, the, the other side, you got, uh, you know, you have, you have guys, you have guys like me about Shadowrun. What were you thinking? Right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, we, you know, everybody has to deal with naysayers. So, but I guess the, the so how did you how did you make the leap from being a, a player and a game master to I want to get into game design? Uh well, I had started writing a lot of my own um, adventures, and uh, I had put together like this whole like world setting, and and uh, you know how things just kind of. Uh, you know, the train starts rolling and you don't stop, right? So I, I, I put together this this whole world setting that I was running, and I was like, "Well, this needs, um, this needs rules, and this needs more stuff, and this needs, you know, all the things that I was I was creating needed more things." So it was kind of something that I was already habitually doing, mm-hmm. and uh, then I had um, decide. I, well, when I moved down to Florida, I was running uh D for a while every week over skype with with my with my new york crowd and but i was visiting the local store and at the time uh the you know i, I met the owner which was my business my business partner now brian dalrymple you guys probably know him yeah yeah he was the guest on our show yeah. <laughs> he told me that and uh you know he he had, uh, i i was asking him if there were any groups open so i started running uh, an old campaign that I had run when when I was much smaller that I created the whole original world around and mm-hmm. I and and I started doing it for fifth edition. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna write this out for for five e and I, I started doing that, but it still had all the old stuff, so I needed rules for it. So I started coming up with my own things. I started putting together a, a word document, and for whatever reason, um, just because I wanted to try it, you know, I, I needed to make it look exactly like a 5e, you know, book. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, let me do this. And and so I put it together and I showed it to uh I showed it to Brian and and he was like, Where'd you get this? I'm like, I made it. <laughs> and uh he's like, Oh, it's you know, I said, Yeah, I was just messing around in Word. And he looked at me, he's like, Wait, you did this in Word? And I said, Yeah, why? Is there something else? <laughs> So you know, he uh, apparently said, "You know, you could probably get work doing this." Uh, <laughs> just like all of my stories, they eventually go somewhere. And then you said, "Wait a minute, people actually get paid for this?" Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> what I said. So yeah, uh, you know, Brian, Brian was um, 
Brian had introduced me to, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people that he knew in the industry, and yeah. uh, I did some I did some map work originally, and started messing around with some with some layout stuff, and I had gone to uh, Gamma. Um, I guess it's like four years ago now. And I still had my my little five E thing, you know. And I and I was at a um, I was at a, a seminar, and uh, some of the D and D, you know, staff was there. And I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's looking at me like, I, I, I okay. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go talk to them. So I, I'm like, you know, like like they're not doing anything, right? So <laughs> after the seminar, I just roll up on the table, and you know, I have a conversation. And uh, and I'm asked, hey, you know, so you're interested in writing something for D and D? Yeah, sure. And <laughs> it was just, it was actually just that easy. Uh, it was, it was kind of weird. So about, yeah, about like maybe a couple months later, I got an email uh, to inviting me to write uh, In Volo's Wake with uh, Sean Marwin and Monica Valentinelli. And that's kind of how that was. That was my first like big writing project for freelance for wizards and then after that you know i got to meet and talk with people and it just went on and on and on and uh the wonderful uh chris Lindsay had uh invited me to become one of the gilded apps and grew from there well definitely gonna give you a geek point for the uh the courage to just go over and talk to the D D people and a point for actually making something in a word that looked good that's difficult enough to do. There are tricks. There are tricks. You just have to Google a lot of things. <laughs> and, and and knowing Brian, I, I can I can see him being you know he's not the most like outwardly uh, enthusiastic or emotional, but I I, I can just imagine the yeah yeah he he's got it. He's they're they're gonna they're gonna love it. Yeah, that was awesome. He yeah he also you know he gave me a lot of support, which was which was also really cool. I I I consider myself lucky that you know I, I have a lot of a lot of cool people that uh, that I met that you know it's it's uh, once you actually get into uh, the the industry, you realize that you know everyone is really there to to support and uplift and help each other. And yeah, I was lucky enough to run into some of the some of the best, including you know Brian and. And uh, and my friend Eric and and you know James Intercasso, Sean, you know uh, Lisa Penrose. Like I, I have I just, you know Chris Lindsay, whole list of people I can just go on into that. Uh, I, I feel extremely lucky to have to have met. Yeah, I mean I I think you know I we probably mentioned it when we had him on, and I've probably said before, but uh, you know brian and and the adventure game store and and dragon's lair and all the various permutations has been a cornerstone for the gaming community down here in florida and then south florida especially but but then getting to know him and and understand like how much he's done in the industry like through gamma is is incredible uh, so yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked at the number of people that he that he knew, and he you know he knows a lot too. He's oh my god, he 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 knows uh, just a wealth of of gaming knowledge, and uh, yeah, he can. All you have to do is bring up a subject, and he'll he'll just he'll launch right into it and give you information that you've never thought you would hear in in your entire life. And. <laughs> Last time I popped into the store, I was picking up uh, 
I think I picked up Yawning Portal and uh, Descent into Avernus, and uh, somehow we're just talking, and and I you know made the comment about how you know was dealing with with some folks and and their problems with alignment, and he was like, I stopped using it, and I was like, Yeah, it's pretty much my approach to it as well. <laughs> But we just started this, this conversation about, you know, the, the origins of the, of the alignment system in D&D. And, and it was, you know, great 20 minute conversation that just popped up out of, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I have my feelings about alignment. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't really enforce it. You know, I, I obviously, you know, I, because it's there, you know, people pick it and put it on their sheet and, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of more there to, to use as a cudgel <laughs> than, than really anything else. Uh, what I thought about doing uh, is, well, I not really thought about doing, I actually started working on it because uh, I, I can, I can spout this out now. So in the, in the third Espergenesis book that, that, that I'm, I'm putting together right now, uh, there is a way to make alignment a little more fun, uh, in a sense. Uh, obviously, alignment is kind of optional; it's lax. But I, I, I kind of uh, wanted to put in sort of a like a tracking bar, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like how they had in, in first edition Dragonlance. Remember that? I was just I was just going to bring you up the the wheel in the beginning of and uh, the opening cover of uh, the Dragonlance book had that tracking. Yep, and it was, I mean it was. You know, they, they had that in the phases of the mood and all that, but I'm not going into yep. any of that. But, but the alignment thing was, I actually thought that was kind of cool uh, because it's, it's less of a, um, I, I, don't, I don't know, it, it's more fun when the player chooses <laughs> to do that sort of thing to themselves <laughs> than, than, than it being enforced on you by the Dungeon Master. The way I, I, I approach it for the campaigns I'm running, um, for me, alignment is more descriptive than prescriptive. So, you know, if you're, you know, it's like if you think your character is chaotic good, well, then that's what you are, you know, what you're, you know, depending on what you're doing. Um, but I remember, and, and you being a, a veteran of older versions of D&D, there were like serious penalties in previous editions if you changed alignment. Yeah. Yeah, and you you had to uh, you had to have a, a DM that was very understanding <laughs> as to your actions, if you know if you didn't want to uh, have any of those penalties enforced on you. Oh yeah, and and I my older brother is my DM, so eh, not so uh, not so not so understanding. Yeah, relatives are are always less understanding. <laughs> um, so speaking of as for Genesis, uh, I, I I I blessedly. Uh, purchased. Uh, I have the core manual, and I have the threats database, uh, and I will be kind of. It's it's on my stack of things that I'm reading through because uh, I definitely want to try it, try to run an Esper Genesis game, or maybe play an Esper Genesis game at some point. Um, so what what got you to go in the the sci-fi route for using the Five E engine? Uh, well, it's it's really just kind of uh, taking. I was really happy when 5e came out. It was kind of my, you know, it was my, my return to D&D. Yay, D&D is, is, the, is the thing that I enjoyed doing again. And uh, <laughs> I take it know. the 4 e years we're, we're, we're off somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, 4e was, you know, I, I also, I didn't like Pathfinder. I was not a Pathfinder player at all. So 
I I think during the four years I spent most of the time, we tried playing four E. I tried converting some some campaigns to four E, and you know we always got up to like you know maybe level eight, level nine or ten, and then you know anywhere after that it took us about three hours to finish combat, and then we were like okay let's go play Shadowrun, and so I. <laughs> So yeah, I, I ran like a third edition Shadowrun game, and I also ran um, uh, World of Darkness. Uh, this was this was I think uh, like a Hunt of the Reckoning. Yeah, I remember okay. that game, Hunt of the Reckoning. Was. So yeah, we we branched off to to different RPGs uh, during the four years, and uh, if if it was D anD D, it was like second edition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was. Which was what I was running actually when I moved down here. I was, I was running the same second edition game mm. for like three years, and uh, you know we, we were enjoying that. So when Five E came out, it was it was like okay, cool. It's everything you know. It's all the good things about Four E without all the things I hated about Four E, and you know mixed in with all the things I loved about Second E. Great, I'm back, and and that is honestly my feeling about Fifth Edition. It's like they took second, they took second, third, fourth. And shook it out all the all the stuff that was decent and made a very playable, very easy to teach game. Yep, and yeah, it shows with the even with the starter boxes. Like, oh, okay, this this is just that cool. Yeah. So what I you know, but I I loved sci-fi. You know, obviously my my you know aside from D and D, my favorite games were star wars and Shadowrun, and you know any any you know i loved rifts even though i could could never get that to work half the time but <laughs> <laughs> so i i you know i was always a big sci-fi fan uh when i was a kid so i had made a a sci-fi weapons and armor thing for D and you know i i showed it to uh my friend eric who's also uh the other uh business partner in alligator Alley entertainment and he he was like that looks great what are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and having and having having been uh, been to RPG Escape the last couple of years and and seeing Eric on a panel, I can hear his voice in my head with yep. that response. <laughs> yes, it came out exactly like that. That's great. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> so of course, you know, I didn't know. So <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted to show you because I thought it was cool. So uh, I said, okay, well, fine. You know. This this stuff needs reasons for for there to be use, which means, you know, there needs to be a setting. So you know, I kind of created like a mock sci-fi sort of setting, and I said, well, this setting is sci-fi, so it needs sci-fi stuff. Started creating more of that. I'm like, all right, now I need a story. Now I need characters. All right, well, we need aliens now. Okay, um, and it just kept growing and growing. And I said, I'm gonna make this into something. You know, and but the the rule was uh, because I, I started looking up originally like you know sci-fi five E because I, I figured you know there's got to be a version out there that somebody was doing. Right. Some, you know, I I can't be the first person that's working on this. Apparently, in where, where were we? Twenty sixteen. Um, there really wasn't. There wasn't anything substantial that was there that I could find really yet. Everything was just kind of being worked on or here and there and but anybody that did put out stuff was like we took and deconstructed the 5e rules and created you know this other 
thing that's not compatible with any 5e stuff and i'm like why the hell would you do that <laughs> so that was the rule when i when i was making this whole thing what the rule was was that you make it for D players you know uh not not just you know because the 5e rules you like the 5e rules I, you know so I, I i wanted to build something that was really cool sci-fi but for people that already enjoyed D D to pick this up and go "Ooh, i already know how to play this that to me is is brilliant because there's nothing worse than th- saying, "Oh, this is you know this is like D and D," and then you open it up and it's like, "Nope, this is a whole new game." Yeah, and it's it's really just you know the only thing you have in common is you use a D twenty, and then everything else is different. And I'm like, yeah, well, well, I don't know about that. So uh, it's it's um, you know at the same time you know I, I have. Uh, you know, I've, I've had reservations with it because I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to make a game that we were going to sell and to be called a clone or a skin or, you know, or, or, or something like that because it's really not, you know, be, because it looks so much and feels so much like the, the, the mechanics are very, you know, D&D, the mechanics are very familiar, but I still wanted it to be a different game. I from from the you know reading through I've I, I've done I've also read through the basic rules, um, which, as uh, I think Brian told me, that gives you like you know forty five percent of the the actual game. Um, you know it it definitely feels different, but there is a there is a familiarity. So it's it's not like you're stepping into somebody's you know fantasy heartbreaker and going okay we'll use a d twenty but there are you know seven new abilities and you know you now have a, a, a advantages and disadvantages system that doesn't exist in D or something like that you know yep yeah that's exactly what i was looking to avoid <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely got it but it definitely feels unique enough that you're not you're not going oh this is just D in space yeah that was um that was it was actually the i i originally wasn't really sure how i was going to go about it and then i was uh talking to a bunch of of people and and uh i think it was um i was i was showing this to to ken height uh but uh well well i was <laughs> i think i was i was driving at the time i think and i was, I was showing him uh the kind of the skin uh that i that i made for all the weapons and armor and stuff and then i was explaining to him what i plan to do and the first question he asked me he said okay he said um why do I want to play this game? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you want to play this? He's like, why would I not just play D and D? Why do I want to play this? And I was like, well, that's that's a great question. And he's he's like he's like yeah he's like you need to take the concept of the game, and you know it's it uses D and D rules. It's not D and D. You need to take the concept of the game and just dial it up to like eleven or twelve or fifteen if you have to. And you know the, the basic rules don't don't show that as much but like the you know the core manual like once you get into it i was like all right so you know the the i was going to integrate this the rules are going to be the mechanics are going to be generally the same obviously aside from like starships and and uh you know things that don't exist in D D. uh but the setting is going to affect everything in 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 its way the base setting is actually going to be integrated into all the stuff that you do which is pretty cool although my, I think when I was picking up the books from uh, from from Brian, uh, I was like, "Yeah, I think I want to run it." He's like, well, "Why don't you just pop it into one of your campaigns that you're already running?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's that sounds like a lot of work to to all of a sudden bring space into into fantasy." <laughs> it's well with with this, it's surprisingly not that that's kind of that's kind of what we wanted. 
Well, I, I, I get not from, but from like, I just like in, in storytelling and my, the, the narrative of it might be the difficult part for me, but oh yeah. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That, that day you buy the, you know, you buy the, the spell jammer box set and you go, well, what the hell am I going to do with this now? Speaking of, that was one of the things that was in the hall of, of, of goodies from my friends was the Spelljammer box set from second edition, which is definitely, I remember when he got it, I was like, what, what are we going to do with this? Oh, it's, it's D&D stuff. Yeah, but it's it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Okay. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. Um, so you're, you, you slip that you're, you're working on a third book for, for us for Genesis. So there's the core manual, there's the threats database, which, uh, is an awesome book with some really interesting, very sci-fi flavored things in there. Uh, Brian was pointing out one of the ones that was, uh, was his, that he was particularly fond of. Um, and we had Chris Neglin, we had Chris Neglin on the show, a couple about a month now back uh, and he was mentioning uh, you know he had made some contributions to the uh, threats database so yeah they made some very fun contributions uh <laughs> yeah they're very very interesting ones <laughs> I, I, I think, I've, uh, I, I've actually in my homebrew world I, i've contemplated working one or two out of the uh, threats database in there just to be the what well, we were expecting you know standard dnds monster and now there's this thing but oh. uh, yeah, it's kind of fun, right? Because they're yeah. kind of like, well, what is that? We don't even know what to expect from it. Exactly. Uh, you know, especially when you when you're dealing with uh, experienced players, you know, who oh, it's a uh, it's it looks fish like. It's got multi. It's got three eyes. You know, uh, you know, per, uh, not perpendicular, but you know, on, stacked on top of each other and tentacles. And they're like, oh, that's an abolith. I know what that is. Yeah. Well, yeah, there there is a uh, there is a space version of those, <laughs> but uh, right. uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, we we tried to stick some new, unique stuff in there. It's it's kind of uh, you know you, you get you get your your veteran players. They're like, oh, you know, it's just like a giant uh, looks like a giant cat or something like that in the forest, and then breathes fire at you, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so so this third book, what are we? What are you working on there? Uh, it is a, an unfortunately long overdue book, uh, called the master technician's guide. It is, uh, you know, just kind of like how the core manual is the, the player book and the threat database is the, is the monster manual. Uh, we, um, took a, a little bit of a different turn because the, it, like for the, the dungeon master's guide is, is very, um, story and, and setting centric for a fantasy world, which I'm not doing. Uh, so uh, the technician's guide is pretty much how to take the the game uh, that you're you're already used to with uh, with the core manual and to take it to anything. Uh, what well, you know, we we did a us uh, kind of a layout of of how the book was going to be, and then I got to work on it uh, doing uh, starship construction and how to implement cybernetics. Uh, we um, we kind of went back and forth, and and I tinkered out a new um, an item system because obviously magic items aren't right. a sci-fi thing. Right. So <laughs> so uh, I, I have a couple of there are actually uh, there's a gear preview and a and a starship preview up on the uh, the Esper Genesis website under the the Soren archives um, because the because the book was so delayed. 
you know, uh, I, I kind of felt bad. <laughs> and so I started releasing some free previews of stuff that, that GMs could use in the game while they're, while they're waiting for, for me to put the book together. Uh, but the, the way I did it, I had done it was to include all of the things that, uh, make sci-fi a lot of fun you know i want to be able to build my own ship and i want to be able to build a ship that would be in any sci-fi genre up to like you know from from like a pod racer to like unicron you know or and uh you know uh use cybernetics and have um you know uh giant robot combat and uh we sort of uh did a the idea was to be able to not be stuck in one particular uh, genre because unlike fantasy, which sort of has its staples, sci-fi goes everywhere. Right. So uh, I wanted to build something to where a GM could take whatever is familiar out of their favorite sci-fi and incorporate it into Esper Genesis. And that's what the technician's guide is supposed to do. Oh, cool. Yeah. You're, Sci-fi, uh, you can, you know, add, you know, a second genre to like, uh, you know, Firefly, for instance, you know, sci-fi Western or uh, the Aliens movies, you know, sci-fi horror. Uh, yep. So, and yeah. there's cyberpunk and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, all that stuff. And if you can leave it loose enough to where people can bring in their own homebrew creations and make a system of making that, that, that makes it easy too. Yeah, that's uh, that's also one of the goals is to is to not uh, hammer it down too much. Uh, only the backers have seen the the, the Starship construction because I didn't want to release that much for free. <laughs> but uh, but that's kind of the route that you'll see when you look in there. It's it's uh, it's look here's how to make you know a giant thing in space, and the tables are uh, specific enough to where everything works as far as numbers and rules and allows you to build your own stat block, but generalized enough to where you're really naming your own thing and giving it its own vibe and feel and because the galaxy goes on forever and it's, it can be anything you want. That is cool. Um, Rich, I have a question for you. Uh, if there's somebody out there right now who is that, They've got an idea, and they want to start putting pen to paper and uh, getting something together. What's something that you that you come across and you've learned uh, that would help somebody out in that instance? Uh, that's a that's a broad question. <laughs> you mean just kind of starting from scratch and and just putting not it necessarily starting from scratch just something that you've experienced that you know hey i never thought i would have to encounter this and how how did you deal with that ah uh well i probably the very first thing that i ran into uh was myself <laughs> uh i if you're putting an idea to paper uh, I, I think probably the very first and foremost rule that I that I that I do with everything that I make now is I ignore everyone else until it's down. Like I, I don't stop. You know, I, I I finish when I finish. Like you you you. Uh, well, I guess two things, right? You know, know where know where your end is. You know, you you kind of have to have a, a overall clue of of what you're making, and then when you start putting it down. 
just keep putting it down. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter if it looks bad to you. Just keep going with it until everything that you kind of want to conceptualize is down and then you can show it to somebody and then, you know, and be ready for their criticism. But a, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of times I've run into um, when I'm actually putting something down or I'm putting something together and I sit back and I'm like, I, I wonder if, you know, this person's what this person's going to think about it or, you know, and, or I want to show it to somebody when it's, when it's half finished. Don't do that. Just, just keep going. Very good advice. Uh, yeah, it's I've, I've I've run into too many too many times where I've had a, a bunch of things that I would have finished uh, had I had I taken that advice from myself, and they're they're sort of sitting on the back burner now, waiting for me to have time to do them. Um, and and just so we're you know, Rich, you have a a day job, so being game designer is what you fit in outside of your you know your usual work. Uh well. Yes and no. Uh, <laughs> for the past uh, for the past year and a half now, uh, I think I've I've actually gone full freelance. Oh, well, that's awesome. I'm yeah. I, I mean, you know, but it, it's <laughs> it's it's not all it's not all sunshine and rainbows with no health insurance. I'll say that. But uh, you mean you mean they're not just showing up with big checks to hand out and? Oh, good lord, no. <laughs> Uh, but no, you, I, you you started out though. This was something you were doing because you had the desire to do it. But you were you were working a regular job up until recent. Oh yeah, yeah. I was still working a full a full forty hour uh, job. Uh, it, it's it's um, kind of circumstantial that uh, yeah. I, I ended up uh, I ended up getting laid off from where I was, and uh, I started working on. I was kind of full stream into into working on the the core manual. Actually, we we were just done with that, and then I was I was getting into other projects, and then I got hired to do so many different things that I said, "Well, I wonder if I can just kind of keep getting work, <laughs> doing whatever I can, and seeing where it goes." I'm I'm still in the experimental phase with it right now. I'm I'm so lucky that I have a you know my my wife. Is is very understanding on this one. That uh, having a supportive partner when pursuing a dream is definitely important. Uh, Kayla and myself, uh, she her dream was uh, she's an upcycling artist, uh, and I have you know pushed her with that. Um, and right now, that the fruition of that is we have a thrift store in Davie that uh, she also creates stuff out of her, her upcycling art out of. Um, and then when I just got the the podcasting bug uh, and and other role playing game bugs that I, I'm still working on getting forward, she was like, "Okay, how do you know? How do you want to do this?" And we've had our one our actual play podcast out for about a year almost a year and a month now or over a year and a month now. Uh, and the geekiest is, uh, will be a year old next month. So oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's having a supportive partner, someone who, even if they don't entirely understand the dream, they just support you in following the dream is so important. Yeah. Well, I, I also, you know, my my wife is also uh, a bit of a nerd herself, so yeah, but she's that not not a, not a gamer, not a not a tabletop gamer at all. But she she understands. She loves, uh, you know, uh, st big 
Star Wars and fantasy fan and, and all that stuff. So she kind of has that, you know, uh, interest in common. But, uh, you know, again, uh, at, at least, at least I, you know, I am earning enough to where, you know, we're, we're surviving. So that's, that's uh, you know, probably the important thing. Cause I, I, I not only do, uh, the, the game design and, and the, and the layout, but I also do, uh, I do webs, I do web design and some graphic design. And so I, I kind of have piecemeal yeah. stuff everywhere. We're, we're very similar. I, I was working in web design for the last 10 11 years it's just it's one of those weird industries well it's it's one of those industries that keeps changing right you know i i hadn't uh i i when i built my my first website was on like you know html and wordpad in the 90s oh yeah and uh so i i put that together and then i sort of left it for a long time until maybe like four or five years ago and i'm like i'm gonna build a website oh this is different Yeah, I, I remember going from like working in WordPad, and then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh no, we're you know we've we've got to do you know build this build this with divs and and you know and then I, I worked at a place for about seven years and it was you know we were still hand coding or you know and then the next place I worked was like, well we do some work in uh, name fell out of my head, but it was either we're doing build it in WordPress or we're building it on uh, one of those other you know what you see is what you get setups and oh like, like uh like drupal or whatever that is oh no even worse than, uh god they run commercials all the time and it's I, wix I, wix we are building wix sites or we are building wordpress sites using elementor he's elementor it's fun yeah it, it totally is fun but from going from you know hand coding out your divs and 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 writing your own you know css to you know Oh, I'll just I'll put this here and put that here, and and maybe you make a little tweaking here and there. What the hell happened to holodeck? Shouldn't we have that by now? Exactly. Need a holodeck. I would like a transporter so I could go places without having to go places. See, I was trying to. Uh, like my, my wife is a uh, is an assistant principal, so and they're oh. they're kind of they're kind of having that whole virtual learning uh, debacle going on right now because. Uh, well, and, and at the same time, you have like the pressure coming from the other side because I'm not going to get into politics right now. Because, uh, but let's just say that I I said uh, I said you know it'd be great that we should have already. We should have that thing from you know from Star Wars where like everybody's like a hologram in a room talking to each other. Like, where is that? <laughs> at, right. Listen, we need we need we need to get Zoom or Skype. We need to get that like cranked up to like 22 because yeah, that would totally work. That or we just need everyone needs to have their own holocron. Oh, uh, that sounds like a bit much. <laughs> We're just now I'm good without the holocron, but the, weren't they working on a holographic uh, display device really recently? Uh, I thought they. I mean, I thought that was kind of news from like a few years ago. But haven't they been doing tours with like hologram Tupac and hologram Michael Jackson? Oh yeah, that I that I don't. No, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I, I imagine. Well, you know, you know, kind of how it works. That technology is is probably they spend like you know a, a few tens of thousands of dollars to do like thirty seconds of something, and then once it actually becomes a little bit uh, more affordable, it'll get used 
by the military for something else. Well, there, there's two ways technology comes to to uh, commercial use, right? It's the military uses it or pornography uses it. That's a very good point. <laughs> As, uh, I remember uh, what class I had a class in college about technology, whatever, and it was like, why did why did v, uh, VHS win over Betamax because the porn industry picked VHS because it was a, a lower cost uh, setup. I did not know that. That was at least the, I'm going to go with that was my my professor's theory. I'm not. I don't have the solid data to back that up, but uh, and that's I remember another. <laughs> I, I remember it was we were there was another discussion. It was basically see which see which like when there was the uh, HD DVD versus the Blu-ray DVD, uh, and and a, and someone was talking about it and they're like, if you want to know which which one to buy, look look where which which format the porn industry goes with because that's going to be the that's going to be one that's going to become dominant oh okay and here i thought it was just because playstation was cooler (laughs) well you're not wrong but (laughs) and the porn industry went with neither and they went completely online and well now well they tried to go and then everyone was like, "Oh, but we can rip things off of these and put them up." Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a timing, right? It came out around the same time when uh, digital video was becoming a thing. So yep, yep. So um, so you got the technicians, the master technicians guide, um, and we've got uh, what we got. We got the alligator alleywise. You you are just doing Genesis stuff, or do you? contribute to any of the uh, other lines of things that uh well we we have um right now we have three uh major things for alligator airlines entertainment we have espergenesis that's one uh we have uh witch hunts of the invisible world that was actually brought over from paradigm concepts that that was uh that's, that's, that's eric's yeah and uh so i mean if if we go forward with anything for that that's kind of going to be on his uh on his go-ahead and uh, the other thing we have is um, Tales and Tomes from the Forbidden Library, right. which, uh, yeah, that's that that was written by uh, by Gregory Wilson, who uh, uh, is actually still, you know, to this day running our, our official uh, Espergenesis Twitch stream. Uh, and we we had put that together. I actually think we 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 had finished that uh, last year. It, it's it's really cool. We wanted to get it printed, you know. Uh, and uh, we've been working with the printer who had shut down for an indeterminate amount of time because of Crazy World, and <laughs> uh, so we're we're kind of we're waiting on that. But that's that's our uh, that's our only project out for now that I can talk about is about where I'm going to end that. All right, uh, and it's weird because. I kind of peripherally paying attention to the the tabletop role play game world. There was before before the global pandemic, there was a whole issue with uh, tariffs and whatnot, and I guess a lot of printing is done overseas. Uh, so I know there was uh, saw a couple folks online who made comments like, "Well, you know, my print run." or my possible run is now going to have to be X amount of dollars more because we now have to factor in, you know, the, you know, the tariffs of bringing in printed material from, I think, well, I think they're printing in China and it was like, good Lord. Yeah. I mean, well, luckily for us, uh, we actually, we, Espergenesis is printed here awesome. uh, in the U S. Uh, so we, we didn't have that issue. The, the reason why we ran into that in library was, uh, because, 
the the US options that we have did not produce the the covers that we you know the the um, the special material and the mm -hmm. covers that we wanted for Forbidden Library. So we went overseas for that. And that's kind of that's kind of where we ran into our, our thing, you know. Thankfully, we won't run into that trouble for the for the third Espejesis book because, uh, you know, it'll, it get that gets printed in Texas. So cool, cool. Yeah, I definitely have uh, just all sorts of manufacturing between you know uh, people slow, you know, everyone slowed down or shut down if they were you know weren't considered essential and then you know just economics of stuff has just been i've noticed a lot of a lot of folks with you know either delayed delayed rollouts or maybe not even delayed you know delayed so much as just like we're going to be cautious we're not going to say this is going to happen now because we didn't know you know we didn't know that uh you know whether or not we're going to have we have to worry about another shutdown or what whatever is going to go on it's yeah that's um that's actually a lesson that i learned <laughs> for myself because uh when we came out with uh with Esper genesis i i was like yeah um i i you know we're gonna come out with all this stuff we're gonna come it out we're gonna come out with it on this date you know like i you know we just kind of gave him the plan and i made the grave error of of you know uh, saying we're gonna do this with the best of intentions uh not anticipating anything going wrong at all and then we got hit with every possible thing that could delay us <laughs> in in uh you know, in, in life in general, like everything just sort of washed down over the, uh, over the time that we had. So, uh, yeah, I, any, anything that I come out with now, I'm very careful as to what my tentative dates are. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, especially for, you know, I, I know kickstarting projects is a, is a big thing. Um, but it seems like from the early days where it was a little, little wild west out there with the uh with the the predictions and 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 dates uh folks have gotten a lot better with setting almost feel like i'm parroting back one of my old bosses but you know managing expectations yes yeah people have uh become very more far more understanding than i expected which is nice yeah well i mean I, I would be very it would be very weird situation if you look if you try to look at the world today and go Eh, they should be able to still be able to get stuff out. This, you know, this shutdown and and everything going on that shouldn't impact their ability to, you know, produce this stuff. <laughs> well, uh, there are still those too. <laughs> well, yeah, there's always going to be the curmudgeon. Yeah, there's always those. Which, is, which I, I I sometimes balance that line between curmudgeon and and understanding. Uh, I have I sometimes have a hard. It depends on the day, uh, because. Uh, I, I have to, um, I, I kind of have to, to, to pull myself back because I run into this a lot now. Like, for example, like we, we had released, uh, we had released a preview of part of the book. It was like 30 pages. Here's 30 pages of free material for something you haven't paid for yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, <laughs> you put that out and I, I put out the post cause I'm like really excited about it. And the very first response was, was was oh okay so where's the whole thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> like sure i can't make people happy exactly and i had to call i called brian and i'm like okay you have to respond to this because if i respond to this no one's ever <laughs> going to speak to me again <laughs> uh, 
that's uh that, that I, I as soon as you said it, it's like we put out 30 pages and I in the back of my head I was like that that's this, this is great where's the rest of it i want more for free yeah exactly um so i i have gotten to see you a couple times now at the rpg escape um that the adventure games for holds that brian brings down uh such luminaries as the aforementioned ken height uh hal mangold who is i can't recommend sitting and talking with him enough uh darcy ross the last couple of years uh and and some really good local talent chris neglin who is on the show eric weiner who we've talked about as well uh and uh well and will highmarch will highmarch I was I was upset. I was kind of I wouldn't want to say upset, but you know, for a free event, uh, he didn't make it down this year. Um, but yeah, Will Heimarch, he's also awesome to talk to at Darcy Ross. I mean, basically all of you guys who are, who show up there are awesome to talk to. Uh, this year, uh, Lewis Porter Jr., who I had been following in in the industry for a bit, uh, and uh, it's David Flores, and uh, I'm leaving somebody out, and I really feel bad that I am. But uh, uh, I, I didn't make it to RPG Escape this year either. So. I know, I know, you you were not there. Uh, but because I was going to try to flag you to get you on the show back then in February, which seems like years from years ago now. Um, yeah. So as a designer, what's the what's the draw to coming to an event like that? Oh, uh, well, you you well, probably one of the first things that you get to 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 see, you know, if, if you haven't really if you're uh, just looking to meet designers is that we're all definitely as human as everybody else. Uh you know, uh, but uh, the the great the great thing about uh, coming to an event like that is uh, all of the people that you mentioned, uh, Ken and, and Will and Hal and uh, Darcy, um, even you know Brian and Eric for you know for and, and and Chris for the years that I've that I've been working with the three of them, uh, they still all have very different perspectives on on design. Uh, you know, even though. A lot of the products that come out and a lot of the games that are produced and a lot of the ideas uh, seem to have, you know, similar tracks. They all come from completely different uh, points of view and putting a bunch of people like that together to talk and answer questions. And especially if you're looking to get into uh, design is extremely valuable. It's, it's, a, it's a wealth of information no matter who you talk to. It's been interesting the last couple of years that I've gone, like the first year, like the the one year, like the main thing was all about world building. Um, and everyone was asking a lot of really good world building questions. I think like the first year I went, it was a lot of like just game master questions were being asked of the, the panel. And then like last year or not, the 2019 version was a lot of world building questions. This year, um, I don't know if you heard about it, but this year was a lot of the business side of it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, I wish I was able to attend. I, you know, we yeah, unfortunately I had a, uh, well, yeah, d d death in the family. You know, uh, yeah, what's what's new? Oh, it's that's fine. With I mean, it was it was, I felt really bad, but uh, about not making it this year. But it was it was impossible. And yeah, no, uh, I I know that uh, I I actually didn't really get to hear uh, what the main discussion was about I, I was just i was just pissed that i missed out hanging out with the <laughs> listen the uh the afterwards at uh, jackson's was uh was, was quite impressive yeah that's that's always the best part is, yeah. I, I don't know I, I don't know how chris neglin does it but he puts away all of his ice cream i i had to tap out on my uh chocolate suicide or whatever it was i got 
See, he finished it. He didn't tell me because he, he he couldn't do it the year before, if I remember correctly. He, was, he got he got he got beat out by by one of our uh, uh, one of our audience. Yeah, I know he this year he he finished it, and I, I believe he even did like a, a victory lap around the table. Um, <laughs> but so it, it's kind of interesting that the the conversation has the 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 Q and A portion of it has changed. Like, like I said, the first year I was there. There's a lot of like game mastering questions. How do I do this? How do I run that? How do I do puzzles and traps? And and then the the next year it was world building questions, um, which I love Ken Height's answer to most world building questions. We'll start with Earth. Yeah, that's the way to go. Um, and then like, but this year was was really big on like how to get into the business of it, how to you know, DMs Guild or you know, drive through RPG or uh, the uh, the Numenera, uh, the Cipher Systems, uh, their marketplace, and just those are a lot of business questions. Uh, which I, I, to me, it seems like that there's a mature. I don't want to say maturing, but there is a little bit of a uh, an evolution of the audience coming to the RPG escape. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Well, I mean, uh, there, we we also have a, a lot of uh, a lot of people that were there, the, you know, the last year and the year before, right? And they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they're getting their their feet wet and well the industry also itself has changed it's it's gone past just waiting for something to come out in the store to oh i could just make my own thing and and sell it and that when you when you open up that avenue uh you have a lot more people coming in with well i already have my answers now on the world building um you know now i need to know why you know how, how to make my thing number one on dm's guild or drive through rpg i'm still working on how to get it out onto there so uh yeah i i well i would say <laughs> hire an editor <laughs> yeah. well I, I think the first big step is uh get it out of the notebooks that i've used for running you know for for play testing it to put it into now a concrete form yeah. Oh well. So I I have so side story now. I, I can go back into uh, that that whole world thing that I had built when I was running D and D a long time ago. I was I was originally I was never going to get into writing RPGs at all. Uh, I wanted to be a, a story writer. Uh, so I I had written out a lot of this in story format. And I have, I, th- I think I still have it somewhere down at the bottom of my shelf. Uh, there's like three Mead five subject notebooks <laughs> with like all of the stuff in there. And some of it that I typed out that I actually sent the TSR uh, <laughs> a long time ago. And, uh, you know, th- th- it was actually getting looked at before TSR had, had uh, gone the way of the, of the Dodo. And, uh, um, but right next to it is is kind of what had gotten me into the putting together the RPG side of it because uh, it, there, there's two trapper keepers that have all of my old character sheets and maps <laughs> from the original game. So I had actually dragged those out like 15 years later to, to put together into a into a five e book. That was kind of an experience. I I ran across uh, not too long ago uh, some some. 2e characters that i had made uh on uh, on their their sheets from the spiral spiral ring notebook just looking at them like what wow what was i doing what was this uh yeah speaking of so character sheets uh probably the 
I, I love 2E. There were different versions of the 2E character sheet. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but I, I like the ones with the, with the white space in between them because after about 15 years, all the writing fades. Absolutely. And, and uh, I, I think I had some that I wanted to pull out from D&D Basic, but we were using those. I don't know if, I don't know if you guys played with the, uh, with the red sheets, the red D&D Basic sheets. They were like mm-hmm. all red, no white on the paper at all. And you just wrote in those red boxes. And then after maybe about three months, your, your pencil markings are, you, you can't read them. <laughs> so. I had something similar, I think, though, with uh, with the, the Marvel superheroes game. I think I had, a, there was character sheets for them that were colored and your, your pencils just goes away because you write everything in pencil because stuff's going to change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you always want to write anything in pencil. But yeah, I, they... I remember going uh, with the old red book, taking the because the back cover of the player's uh, book was the character sheet. That, and we would just used to go to my my friend's dad had a, a home office and he had like one of those early home photocopiers. Mm-hmm. And we would just sit there and print character sheets and or, or uh, the hex paper or not hex paper, but the, the grid paper. I remember the one time he came in and we had gone through like half a ream of paper doing all sorts of nonsense. Oh, this sounds very familiar. And he was just like, why, why is, why is the office out of, you know, I'm almost out of paper. What's going on guys. And we're like, Oh, well, we were doing D and D and playing and. Oh yeah. Cause you were like, wow, this thing just kind of copies stuff. It'll last forever. It'll never run out of ink or paper. Exactly. We had no idea how much printer <laughs> printer toner costs. Uh, yeah, we, we did that with, we photocopied, we photocopied most of the sheets, but you know, I, occasionally you like to use the, the official looking stuff, right? Because, because not that it makes any difference at all, but it's just like, oh, my character sheet looks cool. Um, you know, of course, no character sheet is actually, uh, we, we made a rule that, uh, a character isn't actually a character until it gets some kind of food or drink stain on it regardless of the type of sheet it is so once that happens then you know that's officially a character we've played well i'm gonna say that's a geek point right there because that, that's some real stuff that's, uh... <laughs> uh yeah I, that's pretty much how it is with all characters though isn't it i mean when, once it's around long enough i mean it's gonna get you know some sort of a you know, drink stain or doritos dust will 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 stain the, the sheet of paper yeah, because if it doesn't, you're not doing it right. You're not really playing. Yeah. I think, you know, that was, I think, the drawback with the fourth edition. Um, again, I ran almost a four-year-long fourth edition campaign. But, you know, every time you leveled up, you got new powers. You maybe got a feat. So we were printing out printing out new uh, character sheets, you know, every couple of weeks or every couple of months. So, you know, sheet didn't always last long enough to get a good stain on it. Now is that is that the the edition that had the uh, character builder uh, CD-ROM in the back of it? No, that was third edition. Gave you the the CD-ROM uh, for it. Um, fourth edition, they built a a, a whole. Uh, well, they made a, a it's called was it Dungeons and Dragons Insider? Yep. Um, which not only gave you the character builder we also gave you encounter builders uh, a monster builder which was pretty excellent um and also uh gave you access to dungeon and dragon magazines um but this edition fourth edition at the end i think my party got up to like 11th level um and we had between six and 11 people at a game um oh, so you were there for three days 
<laughs> it felt like it sometimes. Um, but there were something like over 3000 feet by the end of, of the run. And it was, you know, if you, when, when it came time to level up, everyone would, you know, they would just, you know, go on to the account and, and start, you know, doing their level ups and then they'd let me know. And I may or may not have printed those off at work. Okay. <laughs> yep. You're not the only one. Previous employer who's no longer in business. Um, but yeah, it, it was. You're part of the reason why. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it. We went bankrupt because of toner. <laughs> toner and paper. Every other Monday, the, the, the printer just goes out of color toner and paper now. Um, but it was but it was it was it was so many options to choose from it got to the point where it was it was almost too much it's like okay you guys leveled up and there was almost like a groan yeah because it's actually work yeah and and if you have any sort of issue with like wanting to make the optimal decision then then analysis paralysis would set in and they're like hey did you guys level up your characters we're, we're playing next monday i still haven't picked my daily yet <laughs> Well, I got to swap out one for the new one, but I don't know which old one I want to swap out because it's so useful. Yeah, here's my, my my deal with uh, with that. There were there were there were an infinite number of player options, and there were little to no uh, like like DM options. Like that, like there, it was kind of it was kind of like they they were building the game to not have a DM, or at least it kind of felt like it. <laughs> I, I can I can definitely see that feel to it because um, everything was officially like an angry bag, right? It was just kind of like here's a here's a level you know here's a level twenty five monster, just name it and put a skin around it, and it functions the same as every other level twenty five monster. To a point, there were there were some monster there were some things they made where it was like oh somebody actually put some like actual real good thought into how this works. Um, but I will say the, um, the monster builder that they had and the, uh, the, the DDI tools, that was, that was excellent for, as, for being a DM because it's like, okay, I'm making, I'm making a lich. Um, but I also want this lich to have originated in, you know, uh, a frozen realm. So I'm going to give it, you know, frost, re you know, cold resistance. And I'm going to make one of it have a, you know, a recharge attack that does, you know, some sort of cold attack damage. Um, and it would work it out for you so that you, you know, it would balance it. So if you're wanted to still be a, you know, a CR, whatever, you know, a CR 15 or a CR 20, it's still it balanced out. Like I said, there were some good tools. There were some good things in that edition, um, but the power creep was was big on it, um, and combat could take a bit, especially if you had a big table like I did. It was like DD Basic, where it's just like, "Yep, let's look on this table." Okay, you die. Oh, uh, remember one game? Uh, my friend and I were playing. My brother was DMing us. We defeated, you know, Knowles or whatever, and there's the you know, treasure box, we open it up. Oh, there's all these gold coins. We reach in. Okay. Uh, I need you guys to, you know, save versus, you know, poison. I think it was save versus poison. It's like, okay, we both failed. He's like, oh, you're dead. That, that was yellow mold. Well, that sucks for you. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, yeah. There are numerous occasions where my cousin had to, uh, my cousin had to carry my, 
my my uh, the, the corpse of my character back to town so that uh, and hock my plate armor so, <laughs> so get, like, get resurrected. Good news, we brought you back from the dead. Bad news, you got nothing to wear. Train your players to not trust anything. That is exactly right. Until you at least get to you know immortality. Ah, that has has anyone played with the uh, with the with the basic immortal rules? Uh, I never gotten that far, but in that treasure hall of of books, uh, my friend had the basic set. He has uh, companion, master, and immortal. Uh, he's missing expert, but I have that on my shelf already. Um, and and honestly, I, I there is a little bit in the back of my head going, could I run like a a a, 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 BC, a BECMI uh, campaign, run it all the way to immortal? Uh, that would take a really long time. I, I, I you know, BD basically went up to level 36, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we, we actually did get to, uh, to the immortal stage of a, of a BECMI game. Um, I have seen the immortal rules box in physical form only once, and it almost came to me when my friend moved away, and apparently he had forgotten it under the floorboards of his attic where he hid it. Oh. <laughs> and then I was like, and somebody moved into the house like the next month and I'm like, I wonder if I can knock on the door and be like, excuse me, can I go search your attic for a minute? I think there's something in there. <laughs> that wouldn't be strange at all, Rich. Yeah, not at obviously all. Obviously, I did not do that. <laughs> well, I, I think we've, I, mean, I, I feel like we could we could talk for hours, but uh, we've been going for a bit and there is some geek news to go on because uh, Comic-Con at home has been going on, right, Will? Comic-Con has been going on at home, uh, but we actually have, uh, we, we have some birthdays today. Uh, today we are recording, today is the 27th, and... Uh, we have an appropriate guest for Gary Gygax's birthday. Very, very important day for those of us in the hobby. Uh, I, I have to say, if you ever want to read a, a pretty decent biography about Gary Gygax, I cannot recommend highly enough Empire of Imagination. Um, it is, uh, I got it for a birthday gift a few years back while I was suffering from food poisoning. And uh, in my convalescing, I read through the entire book in like two days. So it is easy to read, but it is full of so much detail um, and has pretty decent like footnoting uh, in it to, so that you're, you know, it's not just legend and lore. I did hear about that. I never got to, I never got to actually read it. If you get, if you get a chance to, I, I would say it's a, it's a pretty decent read. What other birthdays do we have today? The other birthday that we have today is Bugs Bunny has turned 80. Wow. So happy birthday to uh, the original bad boy of cartoons. Wow, 80 years. I, yeah, yeah we're, we're getting old, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but on, on to Comic-Con at home news. Uh, God, there, there's so much... Uh, I think we should just pretty much highlight a couple of things and maybe leave uh, in-depth discussion for another day. Uh, Star Trek Prodigy has been announced. That is uh, Star Trek's new cartoon aimed at children. That will be premiering on Nickelodeon sometime in the future. Uh, it has a show title and artwork now, but no other details as of yet. I, I did see... 
the they gave a a, a thumbnail sort of uh, synopsis. It's uh, kind of uh, outlaw kids find a starship, a, a derelict starship, and adventures ensue. That sounds fun, actually. It, it, it does, actually. Um, I think from what I had read, there was also some idea that part of the story, because, you know, you're aiming towards kids, is there is a redemption story. There's going to be a redemption arc so that the kids are not always the bad kids. And these kids are going to go off into this in this spaceship with no formal training whatsoever, and they're going to encounter what exactly that not going to destroy them? Listen, <laughs> I, 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 that was like my first thought of for me. It was like, this sounds really cool. And it's like, wait a minute, how do like how do kids like know how to operate a starship? And logic dictates that if I put my eight year old behind behind the uh, wheel of my car, it's not going to end well. <laughs> you put a five five or ten kids on a, on, a, on a starship, and it's not going to end well. <laughs> I just. I just want to know which one of them, you know, understands, you know, warp theory and, uh, you know, understands the, the matter, antimatter, you know, just the right mix or, you know, making sure that the dilithium crystal matrix uh, gets redone every day. Yeah, well, they could have gone so many different directions, but they, they're, that's the direction they want to go. All, all you need is for the smart kid to find the Starship Holocron and then <laughs> the, the, the holodeck training manuals. One of cool. them written. One of them written by uh, Wesley. Well, I, I would either Wesley or Jordy. Yeah, I mean, Berkeley I mean, had a couple of good ideas too, but not many. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, though, going you know using Wesley as an example. I mean, Wesley had studied before he became acting ensign Wesley Crusher. Uh, you know, he had studied all he could about starships, so. He seemed pretty. He seemed to be pretty able to be slipped into uh, the the helm seat and and allowed to drive the Enterprise. So, well, this was a show that anything's possible. You put your mind to it, or you just ignore the that plot hole. Oh, yeah, you could do that too. All right. So we got Star Trek uh, Prodigy. Um, and just to to go back, we also have uh, Star Trek Lower Decks coming out in like a couple weeks, right? Uh yes, I believe that's uh, the eighth. Awesome. Check my calendar here. It's either the seventh or the eighth. I'm not. I can't figure out. Can't remember which one right off the top of my head. So what else? What else did you want to touch on from the uh, Comic Con? Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, the Walking Dead has a season ten finale date of October fourth. About time. So uh, that's uh, what? That's uh, season ten part two. We'll uh, end up. I have to admit that I have fallen behind on my uh, on my Walking Dead for a little while. I, you know, I never got into it. I, I have to admit, I I have tried to watch that first episode, and I've never gotten through the first episode. Oh wow! Uh, it um, it grows on you. It it catches up really fast. I think the first season is only like six episodes, and then uh, each season I think gets bigger and bigger. Uh, but it it's. Um, I was kind of already into the comic book, so hmm. uh, that was kind of a lead-in for me. Yeah, if you, now now that now that Walking Dead's on on streaming services that are a lot more available to me than it when I got out in probably season six, um, I'm gonna probably have to go back to that one again. <clears throat> but we also learned that there we uh, this is the finale. 
It's uh, it's going to be OVA on October 4th. And the next round of Walking Deads, uh, which is the Walking Dead World Beyond, will also begin on October 4th. So where one ends, another begins. Oh, okay. It's the end of the series. I didn't know that. Uh, that is my understanding. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of figured they were going to do something. I, I didn't know if they were going to incorporate the other show, the Fear of the Walking Dead, the one that uh, that one tanked hard. Well, actually, the Fear of the Fear of the Walking Dead uh, will continue on the 11th of October. Goodness. So three three big news is out of the uh, Walking Dead uh, world. Excellent. Uh, something that looked faintly amusing to me, and I'm going to have to try and get into it. Uh, HBO has released a final trailer for the new fantasy horror uh, Lovecraft Country, which oh, looked that's fairly the, uh, interesting. That's the Jordan Peele is uh, is is the creator behind that, I believe. Yes, and uh, I think there's a bunch of names on that. Jordan Peele being the 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 primary one jj Abrams is another yeah that that looked rather interesting i didn't get i did not get to see the final trailer but i saw a couple of the the earlier ones yeah there's going to be a lot of this week's going to be a lot of catching up on the news from the last five days Absolutely. uh coming out of san diego and uh across the across the the universe seeing as how everybody's stuck at home uh and, and there's a release date on lovecraft country uh uh august 16th so coming wow. up here in uh, about three weeks wow that is and i believe that will be on the uh hbo what I, max hbo yep. max Same yeah uh, we actually saw the trailer for it um today uh it came on before uh we, we were watching perry mason on hbo max hmm. I'm f- very nice i i've noticed point for, uh, the, point for the old school poll there <laughs> uh I, we so we use the uh, a Roku. I have a Roku TV, or we have a Roku device in the bedroom. And uh, HBO Max is uh, HBO Max and the Peacock uh, streaming things are not available for those right now. So it's kind of oh, that's interesting. Kind of has yeah. It, it's it's about money. So yep, uh, uh, that's, that's, that makes sense. Yep. You have a you have a Samsung TV? No, it's a. One's a Sony and the other one is a Hisense. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it's a, some smart TV apps actually have it when, like, Roku's don't. You know, I might check the Vizio to see if it does. But um, the, one of the things I saw from Comic-Con was the, uh, the new trailer for the new Mutants. That looks totally cool. It really does. Um, kind of, like, I, I, now that I'm I really seeing who the characters are, because a couple of the previous trailers, it was kind of hard to figure out who was who was playing what um but now that this last trailer really really uh has me intrigued to see this um i don't know though i i want to see it in the theater (laughs) but i don't want to go anywhere near people yeah we've we've been missing our movie theaters lately we we thought about going to the the drive-in movie theaters Uh the the, like by the hard rock yeah and you know we were looking it up and we're like what forty dollars a ticket I'll stay at home. Well, yeah, they they're doing the one at down at the stadium, uh, and then I think the Thunderbirds still the the one by the swap shops still open. But yeah, so the New Mutants does have a release date of August twenty eighth. Um, not exactly sure 
if that's still a thing. Uh, but uh, it, they're holding they're holding to it for now. So yeah. I guess maybe they're hoping that they can still get it rolled out in time. Um, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe look at what doing uh, Bill and Ted have, have decided they're going to do, which is a uh, cinematic release and a VOD uh, release simultaneously, which wouldn't be a bad idea. Nope. Um, but I'm just a stuck-at-home guy looking for some entertainment. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to do that with the, the Christopher Nolan one, the Tenet. Right. Uh, I think that I, I think they're holding the reins on Tenet because they, they need that box office. They put a lot of money out for that movie. Yeah. Um, the other pretty cool thing uh, that I I saw was uh, for those fans of the Netflix series, The Dragon Prince, one, there's like four more seasons coming. And two, uh, there is a RPG in the work for it. Uh, the Dragon Prince uh, RPG... Uh, Tales of Exandia uh, is going to be coming out uh, from uh, using Cortex Prime rules. Um, so that's the the Cam Banks designed uh, Cortex Prime, uh, which was like you know similar system to you know the the Firefly and Battlestar Galactica and Supernatural games that came out from uh, I believe it was Margaret Weiss uh, Productions a bunch of years back. Yeah, those were a lot of fun. I like Cortex Prime. I. I think I have. I don't, I've never played it, but I think I have one of the uh, one of the Cortex books. Uh, one of the I think it is. No, it's not. It, I have the Buffy the Vampire game, Vampire Slayer uh, RPG. That's the other joy about owning a, a thrift store when people dump off books. I we it, that came in <laughs> that came in the store. So uh, so that's interesting. Uh, from everything I've heard from people who are fans of. The Dragon Prince, uh, Dragon Prince. It is a uh, excellent series. Uh, you know, very well done, and uh, interesting to see that coming out as a role playing game. Because I know I'd seen some folks trying to mod D and D to do you know Dragon Prince stuff. That's that's all really neat. I, I I love it when people take something and go this is this we need to play and and just make it. That's yeah. a talent I wish I had. Uh, last little bit that I've got uh, as far as stuff coming out of uh, Comic-Con at home. Um, the Eisner Awards were, hold, were held uh, online, obviously. Uh, some of the winners, Best Short Story, uh, Hot Comb by Ebony Flowers. Uh, best Single Issue, One Shot, Our Favorite Thing is My Favorite Thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris. Uh, Best Limited Series, Little Bird by Darcy Van Polgast and Ian Bertrand, uh, which I have actually heard nothing but good things that's coming out of Image. I want to take a look at is the best anthology went to Drawing Power, Women's Stories of Sexual Violence, Harassment, and Survival. Um, I, I think that's a big deal uh, to put those words and those stories out there. Uh, and, and something that putting it into that medium uh, to get those stories out. Yeah, that's that's a, a necessary awareness. That that's uh, too 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 little Absolutely. stuff that doesn't get too much of too much attention, unfortunately. So, Absolutely. Uh, and I will leave off with the best reality-based work uh, went to a nice little book they called "Us Enemy" by our friend George Takei. 
Oh. Justin Isinger, Stephen Scott, and Harmony Becker. That's from Top Shelf. Wow, that, those are some some good uh, good pulls for the Eisner Awards. Uh, the George Decay book, I, I know, I saw bits and pieces of the of the the play he he put on based on his experience uh, as a kid in and the Japanese internment camps. And uh, yeah, I can only imagine that 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 uh, that book has probably some some strong strong imagery uh the last thing um i know i had heard uh the kevin smith helmed masters of the universe uh cartoon coming to netflix uh that uh, a lot of the principal voiceovers have been recorded i believe all the principal voices have been recorded okay um i i'm i'm just going with what i read all right. i i wasn't sh completely sure from what i had seen as well was you know but which is that's a good sign and uh, probably one of the few things that you can do from a distance um, as we record this show from three different locations. <laughs> uh, so that that is a good sign that that will continue moving forward. Uh, I didn't see any delay. You know, I don't think they'd ever given out an actual release date, but I can't really see that being delayed because of what's going on. Uh, what an amazing cast they got, too. I know. I know. Uh, we got Lena Headey, Stephen Root. Chris Wood, Sarah Michelle Geller, Mark Hamill. Uh, there are, I mean, we've we've covered it a few different times uh, when they've announced more and more of the cast, but it's just, you know, and then they they did go and grab some of your, you know, your D. Bradley Bakers, and you know, I think they even got Frank uh, Frank Weller. So I mean, it's it's everybody you want to be in a Masters of the Universe cartoon. Speaking of cartoons, we haven't heard much, uh, and I, I, you know, I'm going to pose this to Kayla later and see if she can do some research. But we haven't heard anything really coming out about the uh, Critical Role animated series uh, in a bit. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I I I actually that sort of evaporated <laughs> it's kind of went silent on it yeah i was like i remember earlier in the year they were uh they had uh did a, a little bit of a video showing like the writer's room and you know they had uh, you know the the writers they had assembled were you know excellent uh you know so it was and they were showing like how the you know the cast was coming in to sit down and talk with the writers about characters and the arcs and all that stuff so it's wondering we have, haven't had a, a update on the critical role cartoon um which that was the uh that kickstarter what topped over 11 million dollars and it ended up with them getting a deal to do like two or three seasons on amazon so yeah we'll have to have to get killa do a little digging and see if she can find since she's our uh, resident critical role uh aficionado yes so will you, Sir, got big, you got the big board i do uh and i think it becomes a absolutely no surprise rich led the way <laughs> with seven Woohoo! joe took a complimentary three points and will comes up with a goose egg uh, you know what? We we need to get you a point because of the uh, the hard work you did on on putting together your Comic Con list. So give yourself a point there. We don't want anybody to ever have a goose egg. Ah, uh, I will take the pity point. I'm perfectly okay with this. <laughs> so, Rich, as uh, as as the geekiest this week, uh, you are free to plug, uh, however or wherever or however you want people to find you 
on the interwebs or products you have or if you have a Kickstarter starting or anything like that. So the floor is yours. Uh, well, see, that's, that's kind of an unfortunate thing. I do have a Kickstarter coming, but I can't say anything about it yet. <laughs> and, uh, but there's one coming in the beginning of, uh, in the beginning of next month. Uh, I can be found on, uh, at Skydon one, uh, S K Y D A W N and the number one on, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook as me. And, uh, you can learn everything about uh, Espergenesis by going to espergenesis.com. Uh, and we, that is a, actually a, uh, a branch off page of Alligator, Alligator Alley Entertainment's page uh, where you can uh, find all of our stuff, including uh, information about Witch Hunter and about the Forbidden Library. And obviously I'm on DMs Guild, uh, as was mentioned. Uh, you can... I, I have a whole bunch of stuff on there. I, I'm not even I don't even know where to begin, <laughs> really, on on, uh, on that. And uh, that's that's it. That's my plug. If if uh, if, if you if you like sci-fi and you like D and D, that's that's what I keep telling everybody. Um, definitely give uh, Espergenesis uh, a, a shot. We are uh, we have a, a growing community. We are looking uh, into expanding a lot more. And actually, uh, that's that's right. Uh, we're getting uh, Estrogenesis out uh, on Roll Twenty uh, sometime, hopefully soon. So uh, that's that's in the works. Uh, we're hoping to have that uh, in kind of in full swing uh, within the next month. Cool, cool. That's really good. To you guys, are gonna have something for Roll Twenty. Yeah, we have we have a, we have like an adventure out and and tokens but you know we were we, we wanted to actually put some books out but the, that it takes a lot of yeah. you know integration data work all that stuff yeah all right and will uh you can find me at geekiest will on the twitter and on the instagram not that i know how to use either one of those very well i'm still waiting on the kids to teach me <laughs> uh joe why don't you tell us how to find uh kayla out there in the uh, interwebs well, if you want to uh, follow Kayla, the best place to follow her is on Instagram at Geekiest Kayla. That's K-A-I-L-A. Uh, or you can message her at on uh, on Twitter at Hawk underscore Kayla. Uh, but most likely I'll be the one to see it and then I'll have to tell her to check her Twitter. Um, or you can, if you happen to be in South Florida and you are in need of uh, some thrift store therapy... Uh, you can head to the Secondhand Goddess Thrift Store uh, in Davie on uh, 4148 Davie Road. Um, or you can check out what we have up on uh, secondhandgoddess.net. Uh, right now, one of the big things we have uh, on there are Disney trading pins and very fancy like Kentucky Derby-esque or church hats uh, that came into the shop recently. So, uh, but yeah. That's where you can find Kayla. And then for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Demorgus. That's D-E-M-O-R-G-U-S. Uh, you can find anything for the podcast at The Geekiest Pod um, across all the social medias. Uh, you can find Kayla and I uh, on the Not Safe for Wizards 5th Edition Actual Play D&D podcast. Kayla plays Jade Tealeaf, a halfling rogue assassin. And I'm the DM, so I'm 
pretty much everybody that isn't a player. Um, and maybe this week, if it happens, uh, I will be playing on a live stream uh, on the Mindflayed Mondays live stream on uh, Tuesday. Uh, so that'll be two days ago when you're listening to this on Thursday. Um, you can uh, find that at twitch.tv slash Mondays. Uh, but I also have a link to the YouTube channel where the video will go as well. Uh, hopefully that goes through. Last week we had some technical difficulties and it didn't. So I think that's about it for me. Um, so as always in these uh, these days of the pandemic, we invite we advise you to f- continue following social distancing, wear a mask. As Pete says, don't be a dick. Uh, we believe that Black Lives Matter. Thank you for listening this week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hi. Hi. Leave the world a better place than you found it, kids. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.